This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Laguna Talk back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show, episode 91. Closing in on that 100th episode, uh, fingers crossed Arsenal have even a couple more wins under their belt uh, by that point. Uh, we've got Wolves and we've got, who am I forgetting? Is, who is the game after Wolves? I should really know this. Um Let's have a quick check of the fixtures. Watford. We're away to Watford uh, on Sunday at 2 o'clock. Uh, so, fingers crossed, by the 100th episode of this show, which if you think about 91, and then we've got a week's worth of games, uh, we'll be playing two more, and it'll be six more points on the board, fingers crossed. I mean, that Wolves game is going to be great. I'm hoping that we get some big celebrations in that fixture. There's a lot of narrative running through these games at the moment. We've seen... Yesterday, uh, there's a couple of tweets uh, that have resurfaced that have definitely come back to bite Brentford, which is great to see. And uh, yeah, we're going to discuss that and more. But good morning to everybody in the chat box. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Uh, morning to James. Uh, Paul James, sorry. Morning to Manu. Morning to Stevie, Rohit, Jose, Matt G. Good morning to Rich, Viraj, Trevor, Stephen, Griffiny. Uh, we've got Paul, Rob, Paul. There's lots of Pauls in the chat today. It's a very popular name. Uh, amongst the TGT community, Femi, Kershaw, uh, we've got Gray, Noel, uh, Scotty, uh, Carl, Christopher, Damien, more of you as well. Thank you so much for joining us too, as always. Please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are indeed new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. You can watch my immediate reaction to the game on the final whistle yesterday. Only quite a short video and to wrap things up because the Arsenal way also did a video, speaking of which, you can go and watch that with Bailey and Guy on the show too. So plenty of content for you guys to sink your teeth into, that's for sure. We kick off, though, uh, with the story of Joe Willock. We're going to start with kind of the Arsenal-related topics and then go into the Arsenal-specific topics. Joe Willock scored in the 1-1 draw for Newcastle yesterday uh, against West Ham United. Thank you, Joe. Much appreciated. Uh, do need those points being taken off West Ham and the like. And it put Arsenal in a position where they were there four four games in hand 
Uh, we're three points just behind. We're level with them now, I think. And, you know, we've got three games in hand over West Ham. So we could go nine points clear. Could is the key word. Could go nine points clear. Joe Willett doing the Alexandra Lacazette celebration as well, just to hit that home even further. Uh, lovely stuff. Um, speaking about players uh, not doing necessarily favours, but certainly, uh, you know... Being a bit regretful, Wout Weghorst scoring for Burnley in a massive 3-0 win. Uh, really huge result for Burnley. And you know, for Brighton, when we consider Graham Potter is someone that people have been calling for, very much shouting, thinking, yeah, Graham Potter's the man, should be the one taking over from Mikel Arteta. And then Burnley come to Brighton and batter you 3-0. Doesn't look all that good uh, for Graham Potter, does it? Uh, but Wout Weghorst got on the score sheet and I could not help but think, that's a little bit regretful. Uh, that's a little bit regretful that we could not take anything uh, and we couldn't grab him uh, in the winter window just for a short-term deal, for a cheap move to bring someone in to give us that extra dynamic in the final third for the final months of the season. But we didn't and now he's gone for Burnley. It is what it is. Moving on to the Arsenal-related stuff and Emil Smith-Rowe, of course, as we all very much know, got on the score sheet and this equaled Aaron Ramsey's infamous goal-scoring midfield record uh, for non-penalty goals from outfield. If you remember the season, it's the goal in which he scored the winner. Uh, I think I think it was the winner in the FA Cup. Uh, I think it was that season. Maybe it was 17-18, actually, that Ramsey managed to do it. But he's equaled the record that Ramsey set. And I just think that this kid at 21 years of age is just going on to such great places. And not only that, but when you combine him with Bakaya Saka, of which now both of them have 16 combined Premier League goals this campaign, the challenge that was set to them at the start of the season was always, can they score more goals? Can they improve? Can they add that to their game? We're not getting enough. And it was also a big argument as to why Nicolas Pepe should be kind of in the team over either of these two players. And these two guys have just utterly blown that argument out of the water. And it's just, I'm just basking in the the glory of these two kids uh, and the chant that goes with them as well. It's, I mean, I loved that on Match of the Day last night. Even when you see Spurs fan Gary Lineker having to sing the Emil Smith throw and Saka song, that, that's something to get excited about. That's something that really turns up a smile in the evening on a Saturday. Anyway, Mikel Arteta spoke after the game and was talking about top four in which he said, the way I see it now is that we have 15 games to go and we know more or less the amount of points that are going to be necessary in that fight and we're still really, really far. So what we have to do is focus on the next match. Don't lose any height and this changes very quickly and we will have a lot of turnarounds. I'm sure about that. You see it every week and we have to maintain everybody fit. That's going to be really important because we are really short squad at the moment maintain everybody fit maintain everybody with the right belief and the standards have to raise even more because we have to play better to win more matches not getting ahead ourselves really kind of maintaining the grounded nature of the, the side we've moved players on i loved when martin odegaard was talking about the fact that bamiang's gone we have to focus on the players that are here and that want to be part of this project moving forwards pushing us towards uh, where our target is, which is obviously the top four, which is great to see. Um, and Mikel Arteta as well spoke about Nicolas Pepe. Really interesting quotes that I didn't actually have access to yesterday when we discussed this. So this kind of does 
change the perspective of those Pepe quotes. I didn't have the full quote, in fairness, and I managed to get a hold of them, so let's tackle this. He says, when asked about signing a new contract, I hope he does, but I understand that when a player doesn't play, he is disappointed, and Nico has been disappointed because he wanted to have more minutes, but hopefully he can play many more minutes and he can contribute to the team because he has the ability to do it. And that is interesting. It's interesting because there's been a lot of criticism towards Arteta about Pepe, that he doesn't like him, that he doesn't want to play him. It's not like that. It's really short-sighted, I think, to consider it and to perceive it like that. What it is, is that a player called Bukayo Saka is just a lot better and he's giving us a lot more and is more consistent and is better fitted to the way that we play. That's why Pepe isn't getting the minutes. We can maybe talk about how many minutes he's getting from the bench. Came off the bench yesterday, looked sprightly. Could have arguably won us a penalty. Still need to see that back, by the way. I've not seen a high-res replay of that incident yet. Send me it on DMs if you do have access to one. But I just thought that Nicolas Pepe, you know, is just not getting into the team. Uh, and he's just not going to get in ahead of Saka. And I wouldn't rest Saka right now either. I'd play Saka against Wolves. If you're going to play Pepe, I think the chance to play him is against Watford on Sunday. I think that's a really good opportunity to play Pepe in that game and maybe give Saka a rest after the Wolves game. But Saka has to play, has to absolutely play against Wolves. And just in general, on our best team, Pepe doesn't get into it. So it was great to see Arteta talking about him positively and fingers crossed that kind of puts to bed those weird theories that was going around about how Arteta doesn't like Pepe. It's very different. It just doesn't get into the team, unfortunately. Um, there was also the interesting talk about Granite Xhaka's uh, captain armband scenario. Now, uh, my colleague at Football London, Kai Kainak, uh, put up a, a good tweet to explain this situation. Go give Kai a follow if you haven't already done so. At Kai Kainak97. Um, he tweeted about the uh, the Xhaka captaincy saying, just catching up on the Xhaka captain stuff. For clarity, Laka was trying to give the armband to Tierney, who was preparing to take a throw, but couldn't hear Laka's shout. Laka therefore gave it to Eddie to give to Tierney, but Eddie and Ketia was told to stay in the centre-forward position by Arteta. And Ketia then tried to give it to Xhaka to give to Tierney. And at that point, but the throne was then in play or about to be taken. So Xhaka told him to hold on to it. Not a case of Xhaka refusing the responsibility at all. And a bit of a stretch to say it's a lack of commitment or anything like that. Now, on yesterday's show and the reaction, I did say, don't read too much into this. If anything, if you're going to read in anything into it, I think it's just that he was recognising the fact that he wasn't next in line to be captain and that Kieran Tierney is definitely signalled as the next future captain of Arsenal. And that is exactly what happened. So there was no need to read into any of the Granite Xhaka stuff because Granite Xhaka is not the next in line to be the next captain in the team when Lacazette goes off. Kieran Tierney is next in line to be captain. Simple as that. And uh, we move on. Anyway, that completes today's news. Besides... One more story, uh, which we must discuss, and that is Alexandra Lacazette's tweets. <laughs> Love a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the words for those that are early listening, I won't swear, but you know the word I want to use. It's the housery uh, is, is what it is. The, the, the crap housery, shall we call it, in the most respectful way. Um, if you don't know the context of this, you must be living under a rock. But uh, Ivan Tony tweeted, nice kickabout with the boys after Brentford beat Arsenal. Uh, on the opening day of the Premier League season. 
Lacazette and plenty of the Arsenal players in response to this with a great response. And the exact way that you want to see a response is on the pitch. But once you've got that result, fantastic to see. And what I would say is it goes to show you that these Arsenal players have got long memories, which I like. Because when we come to play Wolves on Thursday and thinking about all the comments from the Wolves players and the Wolves social feeds... I'm looking forward to seeing a motivated team on Thursday. And this tweet, I think, should give us a little hint as to what we might come to expect in that Wolves game. Fingers crossed, because it would be a massive, massive result. Um, Let's go to your questions in the chat box. If you've got any, please throw them in with the capital Q to help them stand out. And we'll go through as many of them as possible. Do drop a like on the video as well if you have not clicked that thumbs up button. Really helps the channel. And it really helps us to continue doing this show as it makes it worth it and yeah subscribe if you're new too but let's get to your question Mm. okay let's see what we guys are saying in the chat Uh, steve says i'm reading some concerns with interest why should we be resting players when we are hardly playing oh that's a good question Why should we be resting players when we are hardly playing? There are a couple of answers to this, Steve. One is fatigue, because even when you're not necessarily playing game after game after game, you can become fatigued in more than one way. You can become physically fatigued. You can become mentally fatigued. You can burn yourself out. Rest is important. Rotation is important. Uh, And we are about to get a few fixtures where we have got them quite close to one another. We've got, if you think about it, um, we've got Wolves this Thursday, then Watford on Sunday, then Leicester uh, a week later on the Sunday, followed by a midweek game against Liverpool on Wednesday, and then the early Saturday kickoff against Aston Villa, followed by uh, then basically what it'll be is the, the next games are, are yet to be scheduled because they're all the three o'clock kickoffs until they change. But you've also got the games against Spurs and Chelsea that are going to be rescheduled. So there is the need for rotation. There is the need to, you know, rest some players and bring players back in at the right time. Tommy Asu should hopefully be back for the game against Wolves on Thursday as well. But it's important, Steve. Um, and if you get injuries and all of that stuff, you need to make sure that there's a level of rotation that you can implement. But what I would say is that you need to find the right time to do it. And I don't think bringing Pepe in over Saka against Wolves is the right one at all. Um, <clears throat> says, well, Watford isn't next Saturday. Is there a big gap? Oh, you're right. We got Wolves and then a huge gap. So, yeah, play Saka in both. <laughs> Sorry, Pepe. You don't get into either game. My bad. There's a massive question. There's a massive gap between those two fixtures. Is it an international? It is, isn't it? Is it a rubbish international break? Oh, so boring. I hate it. So, I hate there being huge gaps in between games. It's absolutely pointless. Pointless. Uh, Savik says, who does Arteta's leadership group consist of now that Alba's left? I'd go with Laka, Odegaard and Tierney. Yeah, I think it's those three. Trying to think who else might go in there. Thomas Partey, maybe. Ramsdale, Ben White. I think there's possibilities for those players. Partey, I say, because of the seniority. He's one of the older players in the squad, so possibly him. Uh, The Real Yanis says, adding up the average points we are accumulating, we end the season with 60. I feel we've improved massively, though, haven't we? I mean, yeah, when you consider that's not loads i mean if we look at the premier league table from last season let's see where 60 points would have ended up finishing you with 60 points would have been enough we i mean we finished with 61 which when you think about it according to those stats yanis we'll end the season on 60 that's mad 
because we finished on 61 last season and we finished eight. It goes to show you how many points are being taken off everybody this year um, and how much better teams at the bottom of the table are. Like teams like Southampton, teams like Wolves have got better. Newcastle obviously getting better. Aston Villa are getting better. Even though they finished 11th last season, they're still pushing and they've added some really big players this season. I mean, they're only 12th so far. Leicester haven't played as well this season. But you've got to consider that, you know, teams have got better, they've added quality and, and other teams are taking more points off one another. Um, Sarvik says, oh no, we've done that one. Neil says, why why Arsenal Academy strikers not getting any minutes instead of bringing in Eddie for the last few minutes of games? Because they rate Eddie higher, Neil. It's as simple as that. They rate Eddie higher than Mika Bireth and that. And to be honest, look, I understand the, the the frustration in seeing a player that's going to be gone in the next six, less than six months now at the end of the season, getting minutes over someone like Mika Bireth. But Mika Bireth has never played any Premier League football at all. And I don't mind him being on the bench. I mean, maybe being brought on in times of desperate need. But Eddie Nketiah has got a lot more minutes in the Premier League. He scored goals, not this season in the Premier League, but certainly against other Premier League opposition. So we know that he can score, and I think that's why he's playing. Um, I, I don't get the whole new toy syndrome. I get the idea of giving Mika Bireth an opportunity if he's like kind of your last resort, or if it tactically suits the situation. Like if you're flinging balls into the box, I'd rather a six foot front, six foot one Mika Bireth be on the end of those crosses than Enketia. But it doesn't make too much sense in games where, you know, that's not the situation and he's not in the squads. And plus, you know, we haven't really got any other strikers at the moment in the under-23s either. So there is a reason why he's staying there. Um, it's Liverpool Carabao Cup final and we were meant to play them. So the game was postponed. Thank you, Ollie. Much appreciate that. Joshua, hi, Tom. Did you hear about the Fabian Ruiz rumours? Yes, I did. In fact... I'm pretty sure I just completely forgot to mention it on the uh, I did <laughs> on the slideshow. So yes, I did see about the Fabian Ruiz rumors. The Mirror reporting late last night, ten thirty, uh, that representatives of the club Arsenal are understood to have met with the Napoli stars' agents in a bid to understand his demands. The 25-year-old is contracted to the Serie A until June 2023, but has rejected the chance to sign a new deal with the team. Napoli know, therefore, that this summer will be the last chance to get the decent sum of money for Fabian, and they will entertain offers to help balance the books. The Italian side have to sell at least three players to do that, and the fact that Fabian has options in England, Spain, where Barca and Real Madrid are believed to be interested makes him a likely candidate. I, I would be surprised if Real Madrid go for him. I wouldn't be surprised if Barcelona go for him. Um, that would make a bit of sense, but look, I'd love to see Fabian. At Arsenal. I think it would be a great move for Arsenal to go for him. Perfect player to kind of replace Xhaka in this 4-3-3 system that we're currently trying. Really would be a, a breath of fresh air to the midfield. Doesn't lose any physicality. Still a physical player despite his elegance on the ball. Great passer. Great progressor of the ball. Great technical player. Bring him in, I say. It would be fantastic to see him at the club. Dirk says, do you think there's any strikers out there with that elite level potential? I can't help but be underwhelmed by all that we're being linked to. Who really takes us to that top, top level? I would have said Vlaovic um, in January, but even then you've seen him move to Juventus, one goal in four games. There's no guarantees that you can kick on from that. Other strikers that are out there of a younger persuasion that would possibly reach that really high level is Jonathan David, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, <clears throat> Victor Rosimen at Napoli as well as another one that you would think could reach that level and become a really consistent goal scorer. 
Um, Alexander Izak is is a player with the potential to do it, but I worry about his consistency considering how many goals he's scored this season. Adeyemi at Salzburg is another one, but again, at 19, 20 years of age and likely moving to Dortmund, there's not been an opportunity to see if he could do it at the elite level, but he is a very, very good player. So there are players out there, Armando Broja arguably too. I see a lot of really, really positive characteristics in Armando Broja's game this season. But it is based off one season, which is always going to be a huge risk. And when you look at players <clears throat> in this kind of young age bracket, the problem is, is that you've got such a small sample size to kind of extrapolate information from that you're never going to get a guarantee and know that they're going to go on to be special. Even Erling Haaland, when he was at Red Bull Salzburg and I was watching him absolutely banging goals every week, was thinking... You know, I've seen players at Salzburg smashing goals. And then when they've moved to Europe, Munus de Boer, for instance, um, Israeli striker, he uh, couldn't kick on. He, he could not uh, achieve the same kind of goal level that he was at Salzburg. And it's probably a big reason why Jonathan Soriano uh, never kind of really came back to Europe until he's really late in his career, but was scoring for fun at the same level of Ronaldo and Messi at Salzburg. So, Look, it's it's very difficult to sit here and say, yes, that player at the age of 22 and under is going to become the next the world's next best striker. Because even with Laovic, you see some struggles since moving to Juventus. So that's something that you need to consider. Um, Tim says, was this PGML showing Arteta who makes the rules after he called them out? Weirdly, no replays of disallowed goal. No VAR checks on pens. Their goal judged from the shot, not the ricochet assist. I found it interesting that they're not showing as many uh, replays across the games. That was clear with the Spurs-Man City game as well. Less said about that, the better, by the way. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I don't want there to be an obvious agenda against Arsenal, but I can't help but believe that is what's going on. And that since Arteta's comments, that they took kind of a hard line. Because how anyone can tell me that that wasn't a handball, and yet they've given the one against Romero in the game yesterday for Spurs-Man City, it's barely a difference. They're both sliding in, both their arms raise above their head, and the ball hits their arms. And one penalty is given and the other isn't. Where's the consistency? There's, and if that's in a huge game, and it was nil-nil at that time, it's absolutely pivotal that they get these... There's, there's consistency. Like Either give all of them or give none of them. Don't give some and not others. I hope there's not a rhetoric tim like you're suggesting but i can't help but think that there is i really can't help but think that there is uh fabo says can you make it can you make it make sense if you can as to why spuds play so well against man city and top four contenders but stink so much against clubs in the bottom half of the table it's difficult it's difficult to make sense of it against man city spurs with a very very painful bordering on irritating no it is irritating to have to compliment Spurs but if there's one thing Spurs can do it's counter-attack and arguably Spurs are the best counter-attacking side in the league so when you go up against Man City and you get two or three chances a game Spurs often get those chances in the situation where they are the best at what they do which is countering they do it against Arsenal all the time whenever we play them their counter-attack is insane it's something that we need because what happens is Kane drops in, the, the ball goes to Kane, Son or Mora or Kulisevsky runs off the wide areas and Kane flicks it in behind. 
and it's just near impossible seemingly to stop. And I just, teams need to be more alert to this. Uh, and look, the counter-attack just did Man City and does do Man City every single time. We got joy against Man City with a counter-attack. So, look, it, it is what it is. It's not like people, I know people are going to be really tempted to go, look, Antonio Conte got a huge result against Man City. But it's not like this is a big change for Spurs. Spurs have got a really good record against Man City. Nuno Espirito Santo got a result against Man City. A rubbish Jose Mourinho got a result against Man City. It's it's not out there. It's not a wild thing to see Spurs beat them because they're the best attacking team, a counter-attacking team arguably in the league. And that's Man City's biggest weakness. So... They are their kryptonite, and that's pretty much how it is. So I'm not going to suddenly think that Spurs are this amazing team and will do this every week because we've seen against Southampton and other sides that they're not. So I hope that makes some sense. I hope that makes some sense of, of why maybe you're seeing what we did see yesterday. Um, so there you go. Um, Olu says, hypothetically speaking, play one, bench one, and sell one. Tielemans, James Ward-Prowse, and Kessier. Um I'd sign Tielemans, I'd bench Ward-Prowse, and I'd sell Kessier. I know people may find that mad, but I really have grown to like James Ward-Prowse. I really, really have grown to like him as a player. I think he's absolute quality. Um, I know he's 27. I know that maybe doesn't fit, but Kessier is only 25. He's only a couple of years younger than, than Kessier. Tielemans, I just think, and I know that he probably is, inform the worst of the three in regards to form right now but put him in a, an environment like Arsenal where he can flourish and I think he really will but James Ward-Prowse I think is a great option a really 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 good option uh, Paul says is Lacazette the most underrated player in the team despite being responsible for lots of assists no he's not the most underrated player in the team the most underrated player in the Arsenal team is Ben White because he has so many critics, so many unnecessary critics, does Ben White. And he has been one of our best players this season. And yet there are people out there that want to latch on to this idea of William Saliba that we could have brought him in, which look, I understand the argument, but Ben White's been fantastic. You got people calling him using his surname as a slur. Like, come on. <laughs> He's been excellent. I know it does, I know it goes against your agenda, people. But he's been great. Ben White's been absolutely fantastic. So we'll see what happens. Oh, I can feel a cough coming. So I'm trying to avoid that. Um, <clears throat> we may have to wrap up, though. Uh, let's go to Gray, who says, Laka had a poor game yesterday and not clinical enough. I would like to see Martinelli till the end of the season. I don't agree. Lacazette was pivotal in getting the, the goal in the end. Great pass out to Smith Rowe. Uh, he needs to play until the end of the season there. If he gets injured, Martinelli comes in, absolutely. But Lacazette just needs to keep playing for me. So it's it's a simple one on that side of things. Um, ben White has his critics. Thank God I'm not on social media, says the I know. It's mad. It's it's crazy. Crying, laughing face. Very appropriate, real Yanis. But he, for me, is the most underrated because he has so many critics. So many unnecessary critics. He's not William Saliba. That's, <clears throat> that's, that's his biggest failing is for Ben White, is the fact he's not William Saliba. That is the worst thing about Ben White in the eyes of so many people. It's ridiculous. Um, Jamie says, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher need to give us some credit. The media hate us more than the rest. I don't. If that, if that helps, 
<laughs> I don't and I'm going to be writing uh, very uh, positively about Arsenal today, which I'm looking forward to doing. Um, how am I feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling all right, Virash. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, you know, I'm triple jabbed, so I'm very well protected, and I think I've benefited from that, absolutely. Uh, Rich says, Tom, how would you feel about Dennis Saar and Watford if they get relegated and Pepe moves on? Look, people will laugh at Dennis, but I think on fantasy football, he's the third or second highest like point scoring forward in regards to assists and goals this season. He's been brilliant. He's been absolutely excellent, Dennis has, for Watford this season. As a backup striker, don't rule that one out because I think there's real weight in that argument. In regards to Saar, I think as a replacement for Pepe, if Pepe moves on in the summer, that's absolutely fine as well. But the issue is with Saar is his injury record. If he gets back from injury and can start really getting into the games more, then I think we'll have a, an opportunity to see what he can do at the end of the season. But absolutely, I think he's a, a really interesting option for Arsenal to replace Pepe if Pepe moves on. If not, we don't need to bring someone in. But I th- I would be fine with that replacement. Absolutely fine. Um, yeah, Martinelli can't really play back to goal like Laka can, says Matthew, and I do tend to agree. Uh, any news on Sosa, Joshua? No, those links did come out from Beald. Um Christian Falk, I believe it was, that did it. Who, by the way, I found it very, very interesting. If you didn't see his uh, his on his Twitter kind of back and forth with Marcus Rashford, and it wasn't really a back and forth. They wrote a story. Marcus Rashford quote tweeted the tweet of Christian Falk, denied it all, and then Christian Falk decided to oh, like quote tweet it and say, "This is a lot of rubbish. You know it's true." Like you've got the player coming out and it's Marcus Rashford of all people coming out and denying your story that let's be real is made up so I find it mad I find it mad that you'd go and quote tweet Rashford and then go and double down on your story ridiculous uh Julian says Tom thoughts on Arteta I think given time he'll be a top manager um Arteta (laughs) look I I'm happy to back Arteta for the rest of the season because I, I never saw a better option um when everyone was really calling for him in the winter months and prior to that as well, I didn't really see anyone else coming in to do a better job that would have come in at that point. Uh, The only person that I would have said kind of at the time that Antonio Conte took over from Spurs would have been Antonio Conte. That being said, it is interesting to see a lot of Antonio Conte's quotes and what he's saying about his time at Spurs. And sure, look, he might be able to get you points now and wins now. Um, but there's something about this Arsenal project for the long term that I think in the long term is is looking positive. But look, I just don't see uh I just don't see other than Eric Ten Hag, maybe at the end of the season, as a really viable option uh for Arsenal. So there is there's not a, a glut of managers out there that would improve on Arsenal right now. And that's why I'm very much in the camp that I'm interested to see where this goes and to not interrupt it and see what happens. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I still think it was a huge risk to appoint Mikel Arteta at the start. I wanted him to achieve. I still would have got rid of him after Villarreal because I just did not see that as a viable staying option. But he stayed on. And look, he stayed on. So I have to, you know, I get behind him and I back him and hope he wins the next game, as always. Uh, Benji said, if Edu lets the club down again, who would you have to replace him? Well, a lot of people would have said Mark Overmars, but that is certainly not going to happen. Um it's a good question. Who would you look at? A lot of people used to say Ralph Ranick. 
to take on that role. But I always said, and I think I agree with Drew, that the Red Bull model, I just don't think would have worked at Arsenal. Um, we don't really want to be a selling club. We don't want to be a churn of, of talent. We want to be a team that, yes, signs long, young players, but not with the view to sell them on, but with the view for, to turn them into world-class players to take Arsenal to that next level, which has not really been what Leipzig and Salzburg have done. Who would you take? Luis Campos? He doesn't really do that technical director anymore. He's more of a consultant. But Luis Campos is, again, a great one, but signs players who then look to to sell on. I suppose the real Yanis Monchi is, is a really good one to say. And we nearly got him. And I'm gutted that we didn't. Um, we were so close to, to, to getting Monchi. And if it wasn't for Sevilla being without that figurehead role and needing someone, Monchi would have been at Arsenal. Uh, so we were very close, very, very close to getting Monchi. Uh, the Liverpool guy, uh, oh, what's his name? It's a great shout. Um, I know exactly who you mean, but I, I can picture his face, but I can't see him. Someone will come up a bit in the chat, but yeah, that's another good one, a really good one. Michael Edwards, um, really, really good uh, at what he's done at Liverpool, the players they've signed that's pushed them forwards. He certainly won't. But as Gray says, look, I very much have liked what Edu and Arteta have done in the summer of 2021. They've continued to move players on. Next summer, 2022, is absolutely um, the right thing. The, the right thing to attack 2022 summer window is the right way forwards. And that will be the where the judgment comes, is where we and how we attack that summer window. It's going to be a hell of a summer and we're going to be bringing you daily 8am transfer shows throughout the entire thing as always. So I look forward to that. I look forward to speaking to you guys a little bit later. I think we're doing a show on Lee Judges TV at nine o'clock. So do join us over there. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning at eight o'clock as well. If you haven't dropped a like on the video, please make sure that you do. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you then. Drop a like on the video, subscribe if you're new. And as always, up the arse. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.